Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome again to Life Church. It's so good to see all of your faces here today. Uh, if this is your first time, my name is Pete. I'm a lead pastor here. We're excited to have you joining us as we're wrapping up the series called Keep the Change, which I'll talk more about in just a moment. I also want to welcome those of you who are tuning in online, watching this on YouTube, or listening to it on our podcast. I uh, pray this message is a blessing to you, and we'll look forward to having you here in person. Uh, I want to encourage my church family as we are entering the third and final week of our 21 days of prayer and fasting to really stick with it. And uh, I don't know about you, but God has been doing some incredible things in my life through this season of just focused prayer and fasting. It's been a reset for my relationship with God. And as I have intentionally created space, he has filled that space. And in you know, the absence of some things that I have said no to, you know, scripture says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness righteousness for they will be filled and God is filling me and he is he is reawakening me to my first love and I'm so grateful for all of that and I want you to know as my church family that I've been praying for you during this time I'm praying that God is doing the same thing in your life and listen if you've not yet done any fasting as my wife told our dream team members in the huddle this morning it's not too late Pick a day this week, pick, you know, one meal each day this week to really just focus in on what God has for you this year and, and just rededicate yourself to that. It's not too late. It's going to be a great thing. Uh, it goes until this Saturday. It will end Saturday just in time for the Super Bowl next Sunday. Uh, I'm looking forward to eating some good food on the Super Bowl. Uh, but listen, I also want to take a quick second to answer a question that we've been getting a little bit more frequently in the last couple of weeks. Several of you have been asking, say, so, you know, you announced Legacy as one for the one. You've talked about this new building that we're putting up, you know, and, and when are we going to break ground? When, when's it going to happen? I want to see you breaking ground. So uh, I'm excited to announce to you today that earlier this week, we cut the check for the down payment on the new building, and uh, we will see steel arriving on site in about six to eight weeks. And I want to invite my church family this Saturday, February 1st at 1 p.m. to the official legacy groundbreaking ceremony. Come on. It's exciting. I love that on the last day of our fast, where we've been consecrating ourselves to see God do amazing things in our midst, that we are going to break ground and, and start the season of a new expansion as we secure uh, 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 <laughs> back up as we advance a secure future for the next generation. And so it's going to be awesome. One o'clock right here on the campus. I hope if you are available that you will make plans to be here with us as we celebrate all that God is going to do in that new building as thousands of lives are going to be made new and transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. Thank you to those of you that have been faithfully continuing to give your pledges towards the campaign. I am humbled to be a part of such a giving and generous church. You are building a legacy that you may not even know the impact of until you reach heaven and you have people come up to you and say, thank you for giving. Because of you, I'm here. Ah, man, it's so awesome. But we are wrapping up Keep the Change today. As Pastor Lawrence said a few moments ago, beginning of the year, people set out to break some bad habits and build some new habits. And, you know, we've often tried to make changes in our lives, but as we've probably often experienced uh, it's hard to keep the change. 
And one of the reasons for that, as we've discovered, is that we're pretty comfortable in our dysfunction. We like the way things are, and as soon as we set out to make some changes, it produces some pain points in our life, whether it's physically or relationally or emotionally, and that pain, rather than pushing through it to see progress, we shrink back, and that's why we don't keep the change. And so in week one, we talked about, let's make sure that as we're setting goals, we're setting big goals because we serve a big God. Let's not settle for spare change when he wants to do life change in us, but realize that as you're setting those goals, that it's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things everyone wants. It's kind of been the theme thought over the course of the series. And what are those small things? Well, in week two, we talked about our thoughts that our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Therefore, we're going to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And we're going to focus our thoughts on spiritual things instead. Then last week, we talked about how our thoughts become words, that our words have the power of life and death, right? And so I'm going to speak life-giving words. Today, though, If thoughts become words, words become actions which form habits, and our habits create destiny. We're going to talk today about the power of our habits, the power of our habits. So when you look at people in life that have a life that you would emulate or have achieved a level of success or are doing some things that say, man, I would really love to do that in my life, they must really be a disciplined person Out of curiosity, how many of you here would identify yourself as somebody who is pretty disciplined? Anybody say that they're a really disciplined person? Yeah, about four hands went up. How many of you, on the other hand, would say, yeah, not so much. I'm not a very disciplined person. That's what I thought. And I used to say the same thing until I was challenged recently with a thought that I want to propose to you today, which is that those of you that would say, yeah, I'm not really a disciplined person, I would say that everyone is disciplined just in different areas. We've all got disciplines in our lives. Some are helpful habits or disciplines that move our lives in the direction of the changes that we want to make, and other habits, other disciplines are there that continue the pattern that we've been in. Like I used to complain and say, you know what, I'm, I'm not in very good shape. I've never really been able to establish a consistent rhythm and pattern of going to the gym, and and I struggle at the buffet, you know, keeping my portion size under control, because I like my pizza, I like my wings, and it's so hard to eat healthy. I'm just, I'm not a disciplined person, until I realized that, you know, I am disciplined to hit the snooze alarm and skip my workout. I'm, I'm disciplined to never skip a meal. Come on, somebody. (laughs) We're all disciplined. It's just in different areas. And to keep the change that you're trying to make in your life, it's going to require the right kind of habits, the right kind of disciplines. And most of us have a general understanding of what personal discipline or self-discipline is, but I, I put my own personal twist on a different definition of discipline that I want to give you today. And in keeping with our series, it goes like this. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Change-keeping discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want right now. To keep the change in your life, you're going to need to learn the discipline of choosing what you want most over what you want right now. Like if you look at any area of your life where you've been able to make some positive changes, where you've had some success in in that area, 
chances are there are some disciplines that you've adopted that have centered around this thought of choosing what you really want to accomplish over what you want in the moment. Those of you who are physically fit, you've intentionally chosen to have a healthy lifestyle that makes you say no to what you want right now when pizza or cheeseburgers is an option and instead choose the salad. Those of you that have a great marriage, you've got some disciplines that you've intentionally focused on to speak life-giving words to your spouse. You've prioritized date night. Maybe you get away once a year, away from the kids to just reconnect and invest in your marriage. People who are successful financially have learned the discipline of choosing what they want most, financial independence, over what they want right now. So they've said no to that brand new car, even though they thought they could make it work in the budget because they want to save up money and they bought something more affordable. They've learned to live within their means and to live according to a budget and invest wisely. Those are disciplines that are centered around choosing what they really want over what they want right now. And the opposite is also true. In areas of your life where you have failed time and time again, chances are there are disciplines that are centered around choosing what you want right now because I want immediate gratification. I want to feel happy right now. I want that cheeseburger right now. Any area of your life, there are disciplines supporting the direction that your life is moving in. Choosing what you want right now over what you want in the long run And I can completely relate to that. That's been the struggle of so many of us. Wanting to make positive change, but finding ourselves consistently in the pattern of choosing what we want right now instead of what we want the most. And what's encouraging to me is that even the Apostle Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament and was one of the greatest, most effective spiritual leaders in Christianity's history, apparently also struggled with the exact same thing. Because he records something for us that I want to share with you in Romans chapter 7 when he says, I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. How many of you can relate? I want to eat a salad, but man, that cheeseburger sounds really good and it's calling my name. I really want to live for God. I want to get closer to God, but I, I keep looking at porn. I do what I hate. Paul continues. I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, he says, I'm not really the one doing it. Well, who is it then, Paul? He says, it is sin living in me that does it. Now, don't miss this. You see, by nature, we are not self-disciplined people. By nature, sin pulls us away from the things that God wants for us, away from the good changes that we want to make in our life, and towards those things that right now are in front of us are a temptation, and we choose that. That's our nature. We're not self-disciplined people. Then Paul says what so many of us, I'm sure at one point or another, have said about ourselves. When he says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Like, man, I'm such an idiot. How many times have we said that? Why do I keep messing up over and over and over again? And then he answers his own question. When he says, who will free me from this life dominated by sin and death? Who will help me start to establish more positive disciplines? 
Thank God, he says, the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Notice he doesn't say the answer is in just being more disciplined. The answer to our struggle of always wanting to choose what is in front of us right now over what is what we want the most is not found in a principle. The answer is found in a person. Thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. With Christ's help, I can change, and by his power, I can keep the change. Who can deliver me? Jesus Christ can. You guys need to understand that Christ in you is stronger than the wrong appetites and desires in you. If we can grasp that one principle, it will transform every aspect of your life as a follower of Jesus. You can apply this to every area of your life. I am not self-disciplined. I am spirit-disciplined because the spirit of Christ dwells in me, and that is what empowers me to do what I want the most, not what I want right now. Because of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit who lives in me and who lives in you, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, he is who gives you the power to choose what you want the most over what's tempting you right now. And some of you have been trying harder for years. Like, that's been your whole mentality. Like, man, I messed up again. I just, I need to try harder. I need to pray more. I need to do this. I need to try harder. And God is going to set some of you free today from that, that performance trap of thinking that it all rests on your ability to just dig in and try harder. Because that's not the secret to keeping the change. See, when, when Christ's spirit takes over in you, the very same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead... You can then be spirit-disciplined to do what God wants you to do. See, God's grace is the key to keeping the change. Grace is so much more than just unearned favor. Grace is also divine empowerment. Being disciplined is not about trying harder to live for God. It's about focusing on his goodness and his grace operating in your life and letting Christ live in and through you. Paul said, it is not I who live, but Christ that lives in me. I put it this way, choosing what you want most over what you want now is about his grace, not your grit. It's not about your ability to try harder and, and do more, do better. It's about focusing on the great love of our Heavenly Father who gives us His Holy Spirit as a deposit, whose power dwells on the inside of us. It's about His grace, not your grit. I'm not self-disciplined. I'm spirit-disciplined. You guys, when I focus on my own ability to keep the change in my life, I fail every time. But as soon as I start to focus on who lives in me, Realizing that he has made me more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ who always leads me in triumph. That's when I start to see some positive momentum and change in my life. And that's change I can keep. It's not by might, not by power, it's not by our own strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. You guys, we can't develop the power to choose what we want most over what we want right now in our own strength. Which is why Paul wrote in Philippians 2 that it is God who's working in you, giving you the desire, the want to, and the power to do what pleases him. The desire to do the right thing and the power to do the right thing both come from God. It's about his grace, not your grit. Who can deliver me from this body of death? Thank God it's found in Jesus Christ. 
By his power, we can choose what we want most over what we want now. But it's not like we can just surrender to God and say, okay, Jesus, I surrender to you. Come live in me and then sit back and do nothing. Right? We have a part to play in this. We have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, the power to do. There are some things that we have to do and instill some disciplines into our life so that we can become who he's called us to become. And so how do we do that? How do we train our brains? We talked about our thoughts in week two and our bodies to do what matters most. How do we move from our current struggle of always choosing what we want right now over what we want the most into moving into an area where these disciplines are moving in the direction of what we really want the most? I want to read you a portion of scripture that we'll pull some principles out of that I think will help us today. Paul wrote... Uh, a letter to a church in a city called Corinth, which is in modern-day Greece, and he writes this. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. There's no point in running if you're not running to win. Then he says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. There's our word, discipline. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. Now, Paul intentionally used the analogy of running in a race because he was speaking into a culture that loved competitive races. The city of Corinth was the city that hosted for hundreds of years what was known as the Isthmanian Games, very similar to today's Olympics. Every couple of years, they would host these events, competitive games where people from surrounding regions and states and countries would come and represent their country, you know, for national pride. There was a lot of pride at stake here. And, you know, so they understood this concept of running in a race and running to win. And the athletes, it says, disciplined in their training. The athletes that competed in the Isthmanian Games entered a 10-month training program. It was a, a strict and rigid training regiment where they would have a very strict diet, no junk food, no alcohol. They would only feed and nourish their bodies with things that would help them grow stronger. They would train in extreme conditions, both extreme cold and extreme hot, because when the games came, they wanted to be able to perform no matter what the weather was. Strict discipline in their training. And they would do anything they could to win, including for the big race, taking off all their clothes. It was common back then to run races naked because they didn't want anything creating wind drag that would slow them down and keep them from winning the race, which is why the writer of Hebrews says, let us strip off the sin that so easily entangles and run with perseverance the race marked out for us. That was language they would have understood because athletes that ran in races stripped off everything so that they could run to win. I'm so glad that's not a practice for us anymore today. <laughs> that just sounds like it would hurt. But I'm sure it would have provided extra motivation to win. Because I ain't coming in fourth place running behind all that. <laughs> Meanwhile, you got some guy over in the corner trying to hide saying, don't make fun of me, it's cold out here. My wife just totally cringed <laughs> that I actually said that in church. It's okay to have some fun in church. <laughs> 
But he said they do it to win a prize that will fade away. Do you know what the grand prize was for the winner of the race? It was a wreath of green leaves. Congratulations, you've trained for 10 months. Here's a wreath. But we do it as followers of Jesus to win a prize that will never fade away. What is our prize? Our prize is to spend eternity in the presence of our heavenly father, giving glory to him and to receive a reward that he will give to us based on how well we ran our race. Did you know that scripture's clear that we're each going to receive a reward for what we did with the talents that he gave us and the assignment that he called us to? We all have a race to run and how well you run that race will determine the amount of your eternal reward. And what that reward is will never fade away. And that's why Paul continues and he says, so I run with purpose in every step because I know I'm going to get an eternal reward. I'm going to run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. Boxing was one of the events in the games. He's like, I'm not facing some imaginary person. I'm, I'm facing a very real spiritual enemy that wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But the spirit of God is in me, and so I run with purpose in every step. And I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should, not what it wants. Which is exactly why I work out. I've talked a lot about the gym the last couple of weeks, and it's a discipline that I've been building into my life over the last several months. And it's every bit as much of a spiritual discipline to me as it is a physical one. Because when I'm physically disciplining my body to do what it should rather than what it wants, my body is the temple for the Holy Spirit. I'm healthier. I'm able to be more effective and have more energy to do what God's called me to do. I'm a better husband and father, and I want to do this for a really long time. And so I train my body to do what it should which is bring glory to God, not what it wants, because I'm not naturally disciplined by myself, right? I like cheeseburgers and pizza and wings and ice cream. I'm not self-disciplined, but I am learning to be spirit-disciplined. The spirit of God helps me discipline my body to do what it should do, not what it wants to do. And therefore, I run with purpose in every step. And when you learn how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit inside of you and choose what you want the most over what you want right now, suddenly you're running with purpose in every step. We don't do anything on accident. We run with purpose in every step as a follower of Jesus. So I take a step and say no to this food and instead nourish my body, which is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And I take another step to say, Lord, help me to love my wife like you love the church and lay down my life for her. And I take another step and say, I'm not just raising kids who are happy and comfortable. I'm raising Christ-centered, biblically anchored world changers who are going to change their world for Christ. And I take another step and say, I'm going to read my body or uh, read my Bible instead of vegging out in front of the TV because I want to hide your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you and I run with purpose in every single step. Every step has purpose as we follow Jesus Christ. Every step. God is directing and ordering my steps. As a church, our mission statement is to, to help people know and follow Jesus step by step. There's purpose in every step, which is why we talk about growth path all the time. Because we want to provide you opportunities to take your next step, to discover what is my next step. Because I want to run with, pur uh, with purpose this race that God has marked out for me. I want to discover who he's created me to be and what gifts he's put in my heart. 
We had a great group come through uh, Growth Path this last month, and we offered every single month. And so if you've not yet been through Growth Path, can I encourage you to sign up and make plans to attend next Sunday as it begins again with step one, Belong at Life. So you can run with purpose in every single step but I feel so weak and I've tried before and I've failed and I always do what I want now because I want that immediate gratification. And yeah, welcome to the human race. We all struggle with that. The apostle Paul struggled with that, but he also said, I glory in my weakness because when I'm weak, that's when Christ's power can rest on me. We've got to fix our focus less on ourselves, not being self-disciplined, more on his spirit. It's not about our strength, it's about his strength. Now, some of you will say, well, like, man, you're, you're really excited and fired up about this, Pastor. Like, calm down a little bit. Like, you might explode up there. And you might think, you know what, you're really spiritual and you're, you're close to God or whatever, and you're just more disciplined than I am. You're just more disciplined. You're like, if you think that, can I, I don't know what I can do to help you understand that I'm no different than you. Like, the power of sin in me to tempt me to do the wrong thing and choose what I want right now, what's right in front of me, this temptation is just as strong in me as it is in you. We're all together on a journey where we're learning what it means to daily surrender the control of our lives to Jesus and let Christ live through us. I'm not more disciplined than you, but I am learning to be spirit disciplined and you can be too. And so I just want to give you a couple of quotes from a few books that I think will help us learn how to practically apply this. And in all transparency, I've not fully read either of these books, okay? But I have read summaries of them, and I've heard other people talk about them, and they are on my growing list of books that I want to read. I honestly don't know how I'm going to get to all the books that are on my reading list. But the first book is one called The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. You guys, there is so much um, science behind what goes into the creation of a habit, how to break bad habits and how to build healthy habits. And I wish I had the time to go into all of that with you because the way God made our brains is absolutely fascinating. But this book, will get into some of that if you'd like to pick it up and read it. But one of the concepts that Charles Duhigg presents in this book, The Power of Habit, is this idea of keystone habits. And keystone habits are simply small changes or small habits that creates small wins that have somewhat of a domino effect. It creates positive momentum in your life that leads to other positive changes being implemented. There are some characteristics that identify a keystone habit that separate it from other habits, which include uh, keystone habits make it easier to start new habits. They're small enough to avoid you being overwhelmed and they build confidence. And they create positive, um, positive behaviors that are addictive. The more you see these positive changes, you get addicted to that sense of progress and momentum in your life, and you want to make more. That's a keystone habit. And they're very small. It's small things, not big things. And so some examples of a keystone habit that have been recorded are like just getting eight hours of sleep, sleeping a full night's rest like God created us and designed us to experience. One might be waking up earlier because... Our brains and our bodies are wired to be more productive early on in the day. For some of you, it might be making your bed first thing in the morning. That way you're starting your day before you even leave your bedroom having accomplished something and feeling productive, which leads to more productivity. It might be journaling. For me, my keystone habit, I've been talking about it the last couple of weeks, is working out. 
When I'm working out, I make better choices with the food that I put in my body. I'm more disciplined in my devotions. I'm more productive when I'm in the office. And I'm more present and engaged with my family when I'm at home. That is a keystone habit that has a compound effect that leads to other positive disciplines that I incorporate into my life. Another great book to pick up would be Atomic Habits by James Clear. The subtitle is Tiny Changes, Remarkable Results. The problem is we often dismiss the small changes because they don't seem to matter much in the moment. We want, you know, immediate impact. We want, you know, the end goal right now. But the cumulative effect of small changes that build up over time leads to big difference. That's what the series has been all about. Small things, big difference, right? It's the small things no one sees that result in the big things everyone wants. And he says this in his book, you do not rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. And systems is just another word for habits. This is a powerful business principle. Do we have that quote? Can we throw it up? There we go. Powerful business principle that's just as powerful in our personal lives. Goal setting is great. It's great to have big goals, but if you don't have a system or a habit or a discipline in place to sustain the success of that, you won't rise to the level of your goal. You'll fall to whatever systems or habits you have in place. Like getting out of debt is a great goal to have, but you're not going to rise to that goal if you don't have systems or habits or disciplines in place of living in a budget, spending beneath your means, tithing, things like that. He also says, One of the most effective things you can do to build better habits is to join a culture where your desired behavior is the normal behavior. New habits seem achievable when you see others doing them every day. Which again is exactly why I go to the gym because I'm surrounded by people whose normal behavior is adding strength to their lives and it makes it more achievable for me. Like if you can do it, I can do it. So immerse yourself in a culture where your desired behavior, the change you want to make in your life, is the norm, and then all of a sudden, it starts to kind of assimilate into your life, which is why it's so important to maybe join a life group, because people who are connected relationally can grow spiritually together, and those behaviors, people who have those spiritual disciplines in place can all of a sudden encourage you, and you start to, well, I can do that too, and you begin to grow in your faith. And so I want to ask you as we kind of near the end of this, just two application questions that I hope, I think, will be easy for you to answer, but it's important that you actually answer them. Maybe it's been a while since you've identified this, but my first question is simply this. What do you want the most? If change-keeping discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want right now, what is it that you want the most? I would encourage you to maybe write it down on your note sheet. Do you want to get married in the future? Do you want to lose 30 pounds? Do you want to lower your cholesterol? Do you want to get out of debt? What is it? You want to stop looking at porn because you know it's wrecking your life and you'll never experience true intimacy if you don't? Do you want to get closer to God like you used to be when you first started a relationship with Jesus? What do you want the most? Write it down. And if keeping the change requires learning the discipline of choosing what you want the most over what you want right now. My second and just as important question is what do you need to do right now to have what you want the most? If we talked about in week two 
identify one thought that you can dwell on and focus on and think about. And then last week we talked about a statement that you can speak out loud over your life. Today is about identifying one action step that will lead to and become a habit that will help you choose what you want the most over what you want right now. What one action do you need to do today before you go to bed at night? What do you need to do right now in order to have what you want the most? So if your goal, if what you want the most is just to get in shape to be a healthier version of you, maybe you would put some money on the line and actually join a gym or hire a personal trainer. That's kind of what has, you know, helped my progress. You're more accountable to it when you're paying for it. If your goal, if what you want the most is to get closer to God, maybe you would simply pick a reading plan on the YouVersion Bible app and invite a couple of friends to do it with you so that they can hold you accountable and you can talk about it together. Or maybe you'll join a life group this Wednesday at the Connect event because you can't grow spiritually if you're not connected relationally. So if growing spiritually and getting closer to God is what you want the most, identify one thing that you can do now to have what you want the most. If you want a better marriage, maybe you'll commit today when you get home, sitting down with your spouse and saying, okay, we're gonna go on a date every single week. What's the best time for you and I to do that? And you commit to pursuing your two, dating your spouse. You wanna get out of debt? Maybe what you need to do right now when you get home is cut up all your credit cards. Maybe it's join an I was broke, now I'm not group or Financial Peace University. Do you wanna stop looking at porn? Maybe you need to delete a bunch of apps off your phone that have been giving you access or install covenant eyes on all of your electronic devices to remove the access that you have to it. Because you know that when you have access, that when that temptation comes, you've been in the habit, your, your brain has been wired to feed that habit, to receive the reward. What do you need to do now to have what you want the most? But as you identify that, recognize that I don't have the ability in and of myself to do it. But thank God that Jesus Christ does. I'm not self-disciplined, I'm spirit-disciplined, and his spirit is guiding me. And so for me, I've been doing these exercises with you. My one discipline that I've identified is fasting. And it's been a result of what we have been going through as a church for the last two weeks and one week more. The change that has come about in my life, I feel more spiritually alive than I have in years And as a result, I'm like, God, I want more. I I know that there are new mercies available to me every single day and that you are leading me and you are guiding me. And so I'm making a commitment to fast one day a week. One day a week, that's my one discipline that goes in line with my one word, which is consecrate, and my one statement, which is I am consecrated, therefore I will see God do amazing things in my life this year. So part of my behavior to align with my thought and my statement is to do something that exemplifies my consecration to the Lord. Just one small thing that no one will see that will lead to big changes that everyone wants. Because when I'm consecrated to the Lord, when I'm growing in my relationship with God, I'm a better husband and father, and my wife and children want that. I become a better boss, and my staff wants that. I become a better pastor. And I hope that you want that as well. With Christ's help, I can choose to do what I want most over what I want right now. So I don't know what it is for you. But some people might be doing their one thing 
today, after the next service, when they go into the waters of baptism. See, people who've made a decision to surrender their lives to Christ have, have identified what they want the most. Every Jesus follower, our main goal in life should, have bring, should be to bring glory and honor to God. Say, God, I want what you want for me. I want you to be glorified in and through my life. And so scripture is clear that we're to be baptized to declare to the world what God has done on the inside of us, that we now belong to him, that we have been cleansed and washed and made new. And I just want to read something really quickly to you that the Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the Romans that has to do with this idea of baptism. He says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. That, that struggle, that war that we all have of doing what we don't want and don't doing what we do want, we don't have to be slaves to choosing what we want right now because we've been given a new spirit. We've died to the old nature and have been filled with the spirit of Christ that gives us the power to say no to what we want right now and yes to what we want the most, which is to glorify him in our lives. See, baptism, you guys, is simply identifying with Christ, as Paul said, in death. Because after Christ was crucified, he was put into a tomb. And when we go under the water in baptism, it represents that we are dying to our old man. But in the same way that Jesus rose from the dead, when we come up out of the water, it represents that we are now alive in him, washed and cleansed and made new, filled with the spirit of God, and no longer slaves to that old nature. I now have a new spirit living in me that gives me the power to choose what I want most over what I want right now. It's about his grace, not your grit. We don't have to keep trying harder. It's simply about letting Jesus live in us and grow stronger in us. And so some of you today, maybe you would realize, you know what, I, I want to get closer to God and I've never gotten baptized because I didn't know it was important. Or maybe you would say, you know what, I got baptized as a baby and I thought that was good enough. And if that's you, I know that's a very common tradition, but scripture is very clear that every time someone got baptized, it was always after they personally made a decision for themselves to believe in and follow Jesus. And the truth is, if you got baptized as a baby, you had no idea what was going on. It wasn't your choice. It was your parents' choice. And so you could look at this as maybe a fulfillment of what your parents wanted for you, but it's important that now as an adult that you have made the decision for yourself, you would publicly declare to the world that I belong to Jesus. Maybe that's the one thing you need to do. Maybe you would say, you know what, I didn't register or I didn't come prepared. You know what, that's okay. Because we believe that God moves in these moments and speaks to people's hearts and might spontaneously cause one of you to say, you know what, I wasn't planning on it, but I feel like this is my next step. And so we're prepared for you because the level of preparation determines the level of your expectation. We're expecting God to move, so we prepare for it, and we put kits together. We've got things assembled in the back, bags ready for you in case you decide that this is your next step today where you can get changed into new shorts, T-shirt, underwear, sports bras for you ladies. Like, there is nothing that would stand in the way from you taking that step today if you believe that that's what you need to do. And we're gonna celebrate people whose lives have been transformed and made new by the grace and power of Jesus Christ. 
Make big goals, life-changing goals, not just spare change, but realize it's the small things that lead to the big difference. My thoughts matter. My life is going to move in the direction of whatever I think about the most. Therefore, I'm going to capture every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And I'm going to fix my mind on things that are praiseworthy and admirable and, and trustworthy and true. Then the God of peace will be with me. And I know that my words have the power of life and death, so I'm not going to let any unwholesome talk come out of my mouth, but only what's helpful for building others up. I'm going to speak life-giving words, and I'm going to run my race with purpose in every step, knowing it's not about my grit, but it's about His grace. And so, Father, I pray for your people right now. Lord, that you would... Lord, your word says that your word does not return void, but it accomplishes the purpose for which it was sent. God, I've done my best this morning to communicate what I believe is one of the most powerful truths that if we can grab a hold of, can completely transform our lives. The power of your grace in us and through us. And so God, I just pray right now that you would, the, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, would right now penetrate every mind, every heart, and allow this, the seed of this truth to plant itself deep inside every heart that would affect change, that you would help us to realize, God, it's not about trying harder. It's about realizing that your grace and your strength and your power live inside of us and give us the desire and the ability to do what pleases you. Some of us have had the wrong desires. And so you're giving us the desires of our heart as we focus on you. You're not giving us what we want. You're giving us what to want. That's what giving us the desires of our heart means. As we focus on you, you change our desires to be in alignment with what you want. And so God, as we write down what we want the most, may it be something that pleases and glorifies you. And Lord, give us the faith the confidence, the courage to believe that when we leave here today, because of that spirit, we have the power to do now what will lead to us having what we want most, which is more of you. With all heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you would say, you know what, I've never surrendered the control of my life to Jesus. And what you just shared about grace. I always thought that religion was about like just checking the boxes and attending church, maybe giving some money in the offering and, and doing all the right things and trying to deny the desires that I have and realize that all of us have those desires and we're powerless to resist them, which is why Jesus came. He did what we couldn't do. He lived the life that we can't live and he became the perfect sacrifice so that we could be forgiven of all the things that we've done to break his law and break his heart. And so by placing your faith in him today, you could step into a relationship with Jesus where he fills you with his Holy Spirit and now you've got access to a grace that gives you the power to do what you really wanna do, to make those changes and keep those changes. So with all heads bowed and eyes closed, if you wanna begin that relationship with Jesus today, will you just slip your hand up all across this place? You're ready to say, you know what? I'm, I'm done trying to do it on my own. I want to surrender to him. I want a relationship with Jesus. Is there anybody here? 
and wants to say yes to him. Turn around from your old life and begin a new life with Jesus. I see that hand on the left. God bless you. I'm so proud of you. Is there anybody else here today? I see that hand up front. Proud of you, sir. One more time. One more opportunity. Say, God, I can't do it on my own. I've tried and I've failed. But beginning today, I want to know that your grace and your power are with me and in me to choose what I want most and stop choosing what I want right now every day. Well, church, I don't want anybody praying alone, so will you join those who are saying this prayer maybe for the first time and entering into a relationship with Jesus? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died for my sin, and I believe that you rose again to give me the power to no longer have to choose what I want right now, but instead I could choose what I want the most. God, I pray that you would give me your desires and that what I want the most would be what you want for my life. So fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the strength and the power to break the old habits and realize that starting right now, I am a new creation. The old has passed away and all things are being made new. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you, Jesus, for welcoming me into your family. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Church, can we make some noise and put our hands together and welcome those born into God's family?